Howdy, partner, and welcome to all new Right, Right, Righteous or Rotten podcast episode show. My name is Zach Wheeler, and as you can listen now, I certainly was not shot and killed in last episode show. I am healthy as a chipmunk, and definitely not hastily made man clone android boy that was cooked up in Scientology black site. Nope, not I. Say, you may notice that I have cold sickness this week. Don't scare, worry. I get better real fast, quick. It was definitely not clone sickness, which is side effect of being hastily made man clone android boy that was cooked up in a Scientology black site to cover up assassination of podcast show host last episode. You have nothing to worry about. Zach Weiler, which is me, 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 is definitely is Okie Dokie Artichoke. Artichoke. Enjoy show now. Bye bye. To a special edition of Rotten or Righteous, Corona Watch, where we watch to see whether or not it's allergies, a cold, or the Rona. You're dying. With me today, for the first time in 300 years, it seems like, are both of my fellow hosts. We have the Chief Cyclo himself, Luke Taylor. We have Wind Splitter, Scott Judge. And as for me, well, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm Zach Good Boy Geiler. Scott, you weren't here last week, but me and Luke started to discuss a new faith-based film, Battlefield Earth. Now, you may be wondering, what does Battlefield Earth have to do with faith? Well, there is a pretty large amount of people that believe that Battlefield Earth is a undercover Scientology recruitment video. Great! But it's not. But it's not. Oh, no, it's totally not. Wink, wink. It's totally not. Last week we saw that it was totally uh, 100% removed from Scientology, even though Scientology's in-house publisher and uh, a few of their uh, drug rehabilitation programs got money and proceeds from this film. Totally not involved in this film whatsoever. There's totally zero subliminal messages uh, sprinkled throughout the movie. Um, it is just totally a science fiction book that just so happens to be written by the founder of Scientology, O. Rod Hubbard. So we left off last week with the movie being financed totally again without the help of Scientology. <coughs> uh, so now we just needed to hire a crew and actors. Travolta and his manager, Jonathan Crane, took the lead in hiring the on-set personnel. They initially approached Quentin Tarantino to direct the film. I can't believe that. I... <laughs> Is that true? What? Yeah, that was. they originally wanted Quentin Tarantino to direct this movie. Okay, they wanted. He wasn't. He didn't no. express interest, though. No, gotcha. no of course not, because Quentin Tarantino <laughs> makes... Yes, they're immoral but they are good movies by anybody's measure 
And so he looked at this garbage fire of a script and said, yeah, no, I'm not doing this. I'm going to go ahead and make movies about Nazis killing Hitler. And then when Quentin Tarantino declined, this, this one hurts my soul a little bit because I feel bad for this guy. When Tarantino declined, Roger Christian, a protege of George Lucas, was recruited as the director on the advice of George Lucas. Mm. 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 That's that sounds like you know when you don't want to do something and you want to get out of it, but you like need a, a, a an out. You like offer somebody else's help that you might know who's who's interested. Sounds like that's what he, he, was be- doing. he became the sacrificial lamb. Well, keep in mind yeah. this is right after, or right before Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace comes out. So the only thing we knew Lucas was involved in here recently, uh, as far as science fiction were concerned, were the original three Star Wars movies. And so when he says, "Hey, take take this. This is a, a good opportunity for you." Of course, you're going to listen to the director of Star Wars, especially because Christian just finished shooting Episode One with Lucas. Unfortunately, Christian couldn't see the future and realized that there was something seriously wrong with George Lucas as he directed and put out uh, uh, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Although Revenge of the Sith was okay. If he could look into they're the all good. future and say, you know what? Okay, they're, they're decent stories, but they're not great. Uh, maybe I shouldn't take the advice of George Lucas who is infamous for ruining his own IP. <laughs> I don't I don't know that we can trust you Zach because you don't think Toby Maguire is the best Spider-Man so Hey Luke your opinion is immediately invalid. When Annie uh, first meets the Jedi's and he was still uh, a, a slave of Waldo and Waldo goes, oh, hey, you could go home, because George Lucas is also anti-Semitic, clearly because of that alien. What does Annie say as he jumps off? He says, yippee, and then runs off into a sandstorm. No child in the history of children has ever said the actual exclamation, yippee. <laughs> what? Do you even have children? I, if you had children, you would know. Yeah, I do. He'll say yay. He'll make a noise like, woo. But unless Your child's I... clearly not as joyful as mine. Yeah, you're right. My child's clearly not as joyful as the slave Annie. <laughs> if you were a slave and you got to go home, you know, early, you would be excited. You don't know no, what it's I like don't, to be a slave I don't, on I don't Tatooine. think I'm going to be excited because even though I get to go home, I'm still a slave. I'm not going to well, say you get yippee. A little, little, little taste of freedom. Not... Not really, because if you remember, the very next thing that happens, the very next thing that happens is he's walking through the market, and all of a sudden you got the the black stereotype over there, Jar Jar Banks going around munching on different meats that are hanging from the ceiling, and who does he offend? None other than, uh, <laughs> I almost called him Bulbasaur. <laughs> What's his name? Bulba? Sebulba. Uh, Sebulba, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the most awesome character in the first movie, except for Darth Maul. <laughs> so not only is he off early, but now he's got to deal with stereotype. Be so sorry, Sebulba. No, don't talk like that. That is racist. I'm going to have to edit myself. Jar Jar Binks isn't even in that scene. Oh, Misa thinks Jar Jar Binks is. 
Misa thinks Jar Jar Binks does big oochie ouchie no no in that scene. Oh yeah, he is now that I remember. But anyway, the the Israelites when they came out of slavery in Egypt, yippee! <laughs> Do you ever think the slaves in Egypt sound like uh <laughs> sound like Andy's master? Hey, we live in Egypt. Uh. Ha 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 ha. I sell it for three credits. It's only worth two. Ah, oh, but it's the credits here. <laughs> the Taskmaster's probably dead. That's why Moses killed him. <clears throat> well, no, because it was a Jewish stereotype, not an Egyptian stereotype. What? How can, how can you say that was a Jewish stereotype? Because it was a Jewish stereotype. What are we even talking about? Where, oh. where are we at? You, you took the word yippee and just lost your mind. <laughs> That's the thing. One word, Zach, ruins an entire movie for you. <laughs> just throw it out. No good. They said yippee. Okay. No, it was George Lucas that led to that. Oh, yeah. So, uh... Roger Christian was recruited. By the way, the script for this movie went through ten different revisions. Ten revisions. The last person that wrote on it was a man by the name of Corey Mandel. And Mandel stated in an interview, I am not a Scientologist. I came on board because John brainwashed me, I mean asked me, to read the book and said, It's not a religious book, it's a science fiction story. There's nothing sacred about the story, nothing of the religious philosophy. I was given this to read purely as science fiction, to see whether it was an intriguing as a movie, and it or would see whether it was intriguing as a movie, and it was. Luke, I forgot. Mm. Do you happen to learn anything about Scientology? I learned a little bit about Scientology. Right. It's hard. It's hard to sift through all the uh, people who are just saying outrageous things and try to find things that are actually legitimate. So the general um, explanation of what Scientologists believe is that there are tons and tons of galaxies and planets, and that these planets were one at one time in a confederacy together, and then the confederacy broke up. And then uh, we as humans got here on Earth because we were, um, well, we, 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 the Thetans, which are kind of like gods, they got bored, so they created the world. And then some of the Thetans came to this world. And through a process of reincarnation, we have forgotten that we are Thetans because we've kind of picked up this this uh, earthly litter that has kind of clogged our minds called engrams. And the what what has to happen for us to realize that we're thetans and gods again is that we need to get rid of these engrams. And so that's kind of the goal of, of Scientology. And they, they basically say that they are enlightened and that they can help people do that because they're kind of on a higher level than than everybody else they've gotten rid of more of the engrams and so you have to work with like an auditor to help you get rid of the engrams and they use a bunch of tools that help you do that and then as you become clear is what they call it that means you're getting more rid, rid of more and more of these engrams you're, you're clear and 
clearer and clearer you go up the ranks in Scientology, and uh, then you like get the secret knowledge and stuff like that. Of course, it's in the Bible, right? Um, <clears throat> but do you know how the Thetans got here on Earth, though? Do you know the story of Xenu? I have heard some, but every story that I hear is different, and I'm not sure which one to believe. Okay. This is the closest one that I've found to L. Ron Hubbard's actual theology. And by the way, I'm giving this to you as a bargain, because normally in Scientology, you'd have to pay about $6,500 in order to, to hear this story, because you have to be an operating Thetan 3, which... <laughs> In order to hear this. So, um, okay, here we go. The story of Xeno is covered in the OT3, that's Operating Thetan 3. That's, uh, you're basically above the, the entry state as a clear uh, when you become an Operating Thetan. And it's part of Scientology's secret advanced technology doctrines, taught only to advanced members have gone through tons of hours of auditing and have reached the state of clear followed by operating Thetan levels 1 and 2. So, basically, this is what happens. There's this evil alien who, as Luke was talking about, uh, conquered the confederacy of planets. This guy's name was Xenu. And so, with the assistance of psychiatrists, Xenu was able to uh, basically roll over all of these planets. Then what happens is that eventually the planets aren't fit for anything and he has to take these people to a new world and so he creates Earth. And so he freezes all of these people, all of these Thetans, these souls, uh, he freezes them then takes them over to Earth and drops them in a volcano uh, in Hawaii. And there was another one in the Virgin Islands that he dropped them in. Now, I know you're thinking, dear listeners, why didn't the souls just float up into heaven? I mean, they're Thetans after all. Well, Xenu, Xenu figured this one out too. He covered the Earth in a special ribbon that was able to trap all the souls on the planet. And then the Thetans went into the bodies of humans, which were only basically very, very close to apes. And then they took over them and caused all of our mental problems. And if that doesn't make sense to you, that's because it doesn't make sense. It's a made-up science fiction story. <laughs> so that's why we can't destroy the ozone layers, because that's the ribbon so that's why all the liberals are fighting global warming, because they're on Scientologist's side. Right. Well, they're in the clear. Uh, they've, they've got their thetans in order. So they go up to Montreal to film the movie. Uh, and it starts filming. Now, the entire time that this was happening... Oh, by the way, this is my favorite little bit of trivia. Scott, uh, Xenu, Xenu's spaceship was uh it looked like a boeing 747 jet but it was painted gold <laughs> was it actual gold I, it might have been that's but that's what it looked like that's awesome and uh travolta when he was flying to film this movie 
flow on his private Boeing 707, which of course is smaller mm-hmm. than the 747. But part of me thinks that Travolta bought that plane just so he's like, ooh, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a little bit like Xenu. Can you imagine owning a 707 or a 757? That's just crazy. Um, a 707 is a big plane. Yeah, yeah, really big. Hey, Travolta had money at this point in his life. He didn't have to uh, resort to cross-dressing uh, and playing uh, the mom in Hairspray yet. He was getting close, getting close. but he wasn't <laughs> there yet. Just be patient. So basically, for from the start of the fil- start of the filming to the end of the filming, this movie was being raked through the coals. It was being plagued by bad blood the entire time. Uh, the media was speculating about the quote unquote possible influence of Scientology and commenting on the production's tight security. I mean, this film set was locked down tighter than Fort Knox. People were not allowed to see what was going in here at all, which is unusual for a movie that doesn't have a large fan base. Like, they'll do that for, you know, Harry Potter movies or, or any big series where they don't want spoilers getting out. They, they, I mean, it was a big deal with Game of Thrones and their security. But it's very unusual that this was happening this way. But like I said, Scientology is totally not involved in this, so do not worry about it. Um... So people were worried about <laughs> worried about what the movie is going to actually be about, and then as the film was entering post production, the alternative newspaper Mean Magazine obtained a copy of the screenplay, and Mean's staffers changed the script's title to Dark Forces. So Mean Vet Magazine has the script. They take it and they delete uh, anything having to do with L. Ron Hubbard or Battlefield Earth or anything. They put a new title on it, they attribute it to a different author, somebody that nobody would know, and then they started to workshop this script just to see if they would could get a studio to become interested in it. A thoroughly silly plotline is made all the more ludicrous by its ham-fisted dialogue and ridiculously shallow characterizations. A completely predictable story that just isn't written well enough to make up for its lack of originality. One reviewer labeled the screenplay as entertaining as watching a fly breathe. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the reason why I tell you this is, why is this terrible script being made? If, if it had nothing to do with Scientology, logic states that this movie would never be made. Well, there are a lot of bad movies. I feel like that's weak evidence. There's lots of bad movies that come to production and then, um, you know, they're they're trash, but they still get made. So I well I I don't think that Scientology really had its hand in this. Oh come on! It's not a, it's not a guarantee. Okay, that's fine. All right. So when the movie was finished, obviously, what happens to movies after they're finished? They get sent to the movie theaters. So. <laughs> I'm going to die today. When the movie What's is wrong with finished, our host? I'm dying. I am dying of the Rona. Uh, when the movie was finished, uh, it was sent off to the theaters. Let's just look and see at how it did at the box office. The film's scathingly bad reviews and poor word of mouth led to it just basically bombing. What year did this come out, by the way? 
2000. 2000. It earned $11,548,898 in its opening weekend. The following weekend, it made $3,924,921, meaning (laughs) that it suffered a 67% collapse from the opening weekend to the very next weekend. That's an impressive collapse. I mean, that's... That's huge. What was the budget on this again? $75 million. Hmm. They got a lot of bad weekends to go. It made... <laughs> it made over half of the money that it made in America in its first three days. Wow. And after that, that was all. it just flatlined. That was all the Scientologists going to see it, and then there was nobody else? By the third week, it dropped another 75%. Oh, my. The third week, it only brought in $1 million. The following week after that, it made just $205,745. The week after that, it was nowhere to be found. Warner Brothers attempted to cut its losses at that point. By slashing the numbers of screens that it was showing the film at, it went from three hundred or three thousand three hundred seven screens to two thousand five hundred eighty-seven screens to just six hundred forty-one screens over the three weeks that it was in theaters. Wow! By its sixth weekend in the theaters. The film was only showing being or the excuse me by its sixth weekend in the theaters. The film is only being shown on ninety five screens <laughs> in the entirety of America. <laughs> it only made eighteen thousand nine hundred and ninety three dollars, meaning that the movie made less than two hundred dollars a screen <laughs> by the sixth week. That's brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> Can it be that bad? Oh, I feel like, Luke. I feel like if I was watching anything that cost $73 million, it has to be something. Okay. Well, forget so, all this money. How many Oscars did they win? None. <laughs> but we'll get into their accolades in just a second. Don't you worry. In the end, the film only earned $21,471,685 in the United States and Canada and $8.2 million internationally for a Total of $29.7 million worldwide. Nothing like coming so let's in. Just round it up. Let's just round it up to 30. Yeah. It made $30 million and it had a reported budget of $73 million. Nothing like coming in $43 million under budget. Oh, but that doesn't include, that $73 million doesn't include the $20 million they spent on marketing. Oh, <laughs> Oh, that's brutal. Financially, Battlefield Earth is regarded as one of the most expensive box office bombs in film history. Wow. Just because a movie doesn't find its audience in the theaters doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. Let's see what some of the critics have to say. Oh, no. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't expect this. Battlefield Earth is often considered to be one of the worst films ever made. As a, Who said that? 
Um, I could give you the citation, but there's like 20 different lists and critics. <laughs> it all, and, it all uh, said the same thing? <laughs> that basically, if there's a worst movie list, Battlefield Earth finds its way on there. As... I feel like if you're not going to cite your citations, then we can't know that this isn't just people who've been paid to slander Scientology. Just go to the Wikipedia page, Luke. I'm reading it basically verbatim. Okay. <laughs> There's your source. Wikipedia. As of September 2020, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a score of 3%. Wow. Based on 152 Are... reviews. Can I make an observation here? No. Fine. So, the film has a score of 3% based on 152 reviews with an average rating of 2.25 out of 10. The critics <laughs> the critics consensus stated ugly, campy, and poorly acted. Battlefield Earth is a stunningly misguided, aggressively bad science fiction folly. Aggressively bad. It's aggressively bad. Is there a- on Metacr- on Metacritic? Go ahead, Scott. Is there a chance that as we sit down to watch this, we may not get through it? No, you you're gonna get through <laughs> it. Just turn it off and go. I quit. We can't do this. Nah. Hey, if I could get through the masked saint, you can get through this. On Metacritic, as of September 2020, the film had an average score of 9 out of 100. Well, that's way better. Based based on 33 critics, indicating overwhelming dislike. (laughs) (laughs) Audience polled by CinemaScore... Gave the film grade of a D plus on an A plus to F scale. That's something. That's passing. Yeah. The film was greeted with widespread derision in preview screenings. An audience of Los Angeles or excuse me, an audience of Los Angeles entertainment journalists, critics, and others greeted the film with guffaws and hoots at a screening in Century Cities, while other viewers in Washington, D.C. and Baltimore responded with derisive laughter or simply walked out. Now, these are people that are paid to watch these movies and review them, <laughs> and they walked out. Guffaws and hoots. At a post-launch publicity event, Travolta, on asking a simple... <laughs> Gosh, this is bad, Travolta. Come on, Johnny. Sandy! Uh, <laughs> so John Travolta asked a bunch of journalists if they had enjoyed it. And nobody answered his question. <laughs> <laughs> You know what, that is so bad because, you know, you can get something nice said about you or you can get something bad said about you, but would you get nothing? That's like the epitome of the the, the bottom. The Chicago Sun-Times film critic Roger, or Roger Ebert gave the film rating of a half a star. Wow. <laughs> Out of four. 
and compared his screening to taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not merely bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. I watch... (laughs) I watched it in mounting gloom, realizing I was witnessing something historic. A film that for decades to come will be the punchline of jokes about bad movies. Wow. I wonder how many times he has given a half star. That would be interesting to look up. That'll be my homework assignment for next week. (laughs) Leonard Moulton rated the film a bomb in his book, Leonard Moulton's Movie Guide. Writing clumsy plot, misplaced satire, unbelievable coincidences, and a leaden pace trampled... Or, or, excuse me, and a leaden pace trample Travolta's weird but amusing performance. So, Travolta had a weird, amusing performance. That's something. That's something positive. David Blyler gave the film one star out of four in the TLA video and DVD guide, writing, This is disjointed, tedious, and every bit as bad as its reputation. John Stewart mocked the film on his television program, The Daily Show, describing it as a cross between Star Wars and the smell of butt. <laughs> that don't make no sense. Well, if your butt made Star Wars, you'd have Battlefield Earth. would be a legend. Rita Kempley of the Washington Post commented, said a million monkeys with a million crayons would be hard-pressed in a million years to create anything as cretinous as Battlefield Earth. (laughs) Wow! This film version of L. Ron Hubbard's futuristic novel is so breathtakingly awful in concept and execution, it wouldn't tax the smarts of a troglodyte. Elvis Mitchell of the New York Times wrote, It may be a bit early to make such judgments, but Battlefield Earth may well turn out to be the worst movie of this century. And called it... (laughs) (laughs) And called it Plan 9 from Outer Space for a New Generation. That's impressive. In the first year of the century, the guy made the prediction... 100, 100 more years, this will be the worst. <laughs> the British film critic Jonathan Ross said, Everything about Battlefield Earth sucks. Everything. <laughs> period. Exclamation point. Yeah, that's what it says. Everything about Battlefield Earth sucks. Period. Everything. Period. <laughs> the over-the-top music, the unbelievable sets, the terrible dialogue, the hammy acting, the lousy special effects, the beginning, the middle, and especially the end. <laughs> the beginning, the middle, and especially the end. See, what you're telling me is it's just going to get worse. Now, me and Luke talked about this last week. It's something he's really looking forward to. But many critics singled out the excessive use of what's called the Dutch angle. Scott, do you know what a Dutch angle is? It's not like a Dutch oven. <laughs> the Dutch angle. Yeah, it's a film shot where you tilt the f- camera at like a 45-degree angle. Okay. All right, that's... It, it can be done, 
to either hide a bad set or if you want to show some sort of uh, dramatic scene by throwing the audience off kilter a little bit. Usually, film directors do this like maybe once or twice in their movie. Mm -hmm. Battlefield Earth does it nearly every single scene. Almost every single scene in this movie is at a 45-degree angle, so it looks like your TV is crooked the entire time. I hope I don't have a seizure watching this. It's just my goal for the movie. Okay, listen to what one critic said about this. The director, Roger Christian, has learned from better films that directors sometimes tilt their cameras, wrote Roger Ebert, but he has not learned why. <laughs> <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Just copy the masters. Derivative special effects and illogical plotting were also widely criticized. The Providence Journal highlighted the film's unusual color scheme, saying, Battlefield's Earth, or Battlefield Earth's primary colors are blue and gray, adding to the misery. Whenever we get a glimpse of sunlight, the screen goes all stale yellow, as though someone had urinated on the print. This, <laughs> by the way, is not such a bad idea. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> okay so as you can see it was it was not well liked by the critics now some people to be fair gave it uh like, it's so bad, it's good. Like, you've got to see it, or you can laugh along with it. And that very well may be how I end up liking this movie, because I like bad movies that are so bad that they're good. But we'll see what happens. But how did the, the filmmakers respond to this? Well, J.D. Shapiro, who wrote the original screenplay, was critical of the film as well. <laughs> Can you imagine going, man, my work sucks. No, okay, keep in mind, it was rewritten ten times after he turned in that final <laughs> okay, screenplay. Okay, okay. In a 2010 letter to the New York Post, he asserted that his draft bore little resemblance to the final script. The result, he said, was embarrassing. The only time I saw the movie was at the premiere, which was one too many times. <laughs> So you know what? Maybe if they would have stuck with the original script, this movie could be legend. In Better Living Through Bad Movies, Scott Clevenger and Sherry Zollinger wrote, So what new truths have we gleaned from Battlefield Earth? First, we have learned that spirituality is a fine thing, but it's probably best to avoid joining denominations that make action movies. <laughs> Rule number one! I can't argue with that. <laughs> now, responding to the criticism, one of the film's producers, our good friend Ellie Knockoff Yamaha Samaha, complained, the critics were waiting for us to chop our heads off. Everyone hated Scientology for some reason. I didn't know people were so prejudiced. Ebert noted, however, that the film contains no evidence of Scientology or any other system of thought. You know, that's, that's kind of what I'm wondering, too, though, because it seems to that me... That is the biggest burn I have ever read, and it just went straight <laughs> past you. No, we got it. I got it. <laughs> 
It contains no evidence of Scientology or any other system of thought. I just wanted to grasp onto that first part of that statement. I think the movie was set up by the beginning. The critics were just horrible with the message they were sending out, and they got everybody to believe a lie. Could that be possible? That's why. That's why you're I right, feel Scott. Like... Deep down inside, everybody knows by now. Now that we're twenty years separated from this film, how great Battlefield Earth is. You know, people go on Facebook every day. Hey, just saw Battlefield Earth for the first time. Best movie I've ever seen in my life. I, I may be doing that within the next week. Hey, but guys, listen. That doesn't mean Battlefield Earth didn't win some accolades. What do critics know? <laughs> Battlefield Earth frequently appears on worst lists. Worst <laughs> film lists. And it's included on Rotten Tomatoes' 100 Worst Movies Ever list. Rotten Tomatoes ranked the film 27th in the 100 worst-reviewed films of the first decade of the 21st century. The Arizona Republic listed it as the worst film of 2000, calling it a monumentally bad sci-fi flick. Roger Roper placed the film on his, uh, excuse me, Roger Roper placed the film at number 5 on his list of 40 movies that linger in the back chambers of my memory vault like a plate of cheese left behind a radiator in a flea bag motel. <laughs> Uh, can we get a hold of that guy I'd like to find out how he really feels that's why he's the best man that's why Roger (laughs) Roper's the best I'd like him to write my sermons Christopher Knoll of filmcritic.com listed the film's villain Turl at number 8 of his 10 least effective movie villains writing weak we Writing, we still can't imagine how anyone would go face-to-face with one of these creatures and react with anything other than simple laughter. (laughs) Battlefield Earth swept the 2000 Golden Raspberry Awards. You know what the Golden Raspberries Awards are, Scott? That's the awards for the worst actors, scenes. The bad Oscars. It received seven Razzies, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Travolta, Worst Supporting Actor, Pepper, Worst Supporting Actress, Preston, Worst Director, Christian, Worst Screenplay, and Worst Screen Couple, Travolta, and, quote, anyone sharing the screen with him, end quote. Wow. (laughs) It's got to be bad on the career. Battlefield Earth was later awarded an 8th Razzie for worst drama of the Razzie's first 25 years. (laughs) That's great. In 2010, the film received another Razzie for the worst picture of the decade. Bringing its total number of Razzie Awards to nine, and consequently second, or setting a record for most Razzies won by a single film. The record was not broken until 2012 when Adam Sandler's Jack and Jill won 10 awards. Wow. But listen, there's time because in 2099, this will be given the award for the West worst film of the century. The Wet Whim of the Witch That's what? Everybody, we're going to give you a warm for the Wet Whim of the Witch I'm having a little trouble talking here. What, 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 what award did you win, buddy? Uh, I won the Wet Whim of the Witch I won the Wacky. What? Be very quiet. I'm hunting Wassies. Scott, do you smell toast right now? Like, oh, no, no. I can't. As Travolta 
did not attend the Razzies to collect his trophies. Shocking, I know. This is my favorite thing. The Razzies are my new favorite thing. As Travolta did not attend to collect his trophies, an action figure of Terrell, his character, accepted them in his place. <laughs> <laughs> then listen to how out of touch Travolta is. Travolta responded a week later to the award, saying, I didn't even know there were such awards. I have people around me whose job it is not to tell me about such things. Oh, for the love of Pete. They're, they're obviously doing their job. Not every film can be a critical and box office success. It would have been awful only if Battlefield Earth was neither. That's not the case. It's edging towards the 100 million mark. It only it only stopped uh <laughs> It only stopped 70 million short. <laughs> Which means it's found an audience even if it didn't impress no it didn't John stop talking please. I'd rather my films connect with an audience than with critics because it gives you more longevity as a performer, John. Poor John. John, John, John. He should run for office. I mean, what's he going to say, though? I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to look at you. Yeah, that was horrible. I... He later insisted that he still felt really good about it. Here I was taking big chances, breaking a new genre. Well... That's true. You took a chance. I wonder if every person in the world who started a small business that failed and had to declare bankruptcy said the same thing in the bankruptcy office. You know, honey, I know that we just had to sell our house. We got to go back to living in that trailer behind mom's house. I feel, but I still feel good yeah, about. I feel really this. good about it, though. We were taking a chance. Maybe we should have learned how to tattoo before opening the tattoo shop, but we took a chance. Small detail. I just didn't think that you didn't know how to spell the word weird. <laughs> it was really kind of odd that you gave that guy a wired science tattoo. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Pepper, who plays the protagonist of the film, said that he regret regretted not having been invited to the Razzies and blamed the film's failure on a weak script and poor production value. Writer J.D. Shapiro received his worst screenplay to play... Writer J.D. Shapiro received his worst screenplay award from the Razzies, uh, or from the Razzies founder John J.B. Wilson during a radio program. He commented that Travolta had called the script the Schindler's List of science fiction. It's like as innocent people had to suffer while they were watching. No, it's because it's in black and white because they didn't know how to turn it color. <laughs> Shapiro made another appearance to pick up the Worst Picture of the Decade Award at the 30th Golden Raspberry Awards, giving a speech quoting negative reviews and thanking both the studio for firing him and Corey Mandel for rewriting my script in a way I never ever, ever could have imagined or conceived of myself. <laughs> you know what I've noticed? This isn't anybody's fault. No, it really isn't Shapiro's fault. He wrote the script, and then somebody rewrote it, and somebody else rewrote it, and somebody else rewrote it. Now he's just having fun with it. His name's on it, so he might as well have fun with it. I like... Oh, good golly. The film's producer, Ellie Knockoff Yamaha Samaha, 
declared that he welcomed the free publicity, as the more the critics hit Battlefield Earth, the more DVDs it sells. It is the kind of film that makes a movie legend. And we feel we have enough staying power to last long after the critics have quieted down. You don't. But now hold up. He's got a point because what are we going to have to do this week? We're going to have to buy the video. They're going to make money. True. But think about it this way, Scott. Um, Right now, the only people that are talking about this movie is perhaps the world's least influential podcast. (laughs) We are the battlefield earth of podcasts. No, we're not that bad. When this when this pod when this podcast explodes and then uh, everyone goes and watch Battlefield Earth, you might just get a call from John himself as, thanking listen, you for what you've okay, done. John, I'm talking to you directly. I am the founder of this. Uh, You're right. Now I will say now <laughs> he as re- I say he is that, responsible I, for I, this. I will say that I do not give a script to either of my co hosts, uh, but they do have the opportunity to approve any and all uh, audio that goes out on the internet. So if it's on there, it's because it has their approval. They didn't veto it. Uh, that being said, if you do want to thank me personally for uh, making you a few bucks, I'm be honest with you, John. If it's more than four bucks, I'm going to find a bootleg. Okay, I'm not paying more than four bucks I to think, watch this I movie. I think it's like three ninety nine. You got, you got. Uh... Yeah, it is. It's okay. Good, good, John. Good. You so got twelve will... bucks coming your way this week. <laughs> Man, you can you can go, go get yourself a Hardee's meal. You can get a large curly Friday this week. Good job, buddy. Um, no, but when you call me to thank me for making you relevant again, can you please, uh, when I answer the phone, just go, Sandy? I'd really appreciate that because uh, of all your movies, that's the only line that I can quote. So. <laughs> Grease is the word, man. Okay. The Stinkers later unveiled their 100 Years 100 Stinkers list in which people voted the 100 worst films of the 20th century. Battlefield Earth not only made the final ballot, it took home the top prize for the worst film of the century, and that is voted on by just normal everyday people, not critics. Wow. <laughs> I can't wait to get home later and go, guess what I get to do this week, honey? You could have pretended to be sick again or moved. Um, I may. <laughs> I actually accepted a new preaching job and will not be able to come next week. Sure. I regret to inform you. I'm moving. That... Listen, I'm here right now with a fever dying behind this microphone. I stayed up to 1 o'clock in the morning editing yesterday. Suck it up, buttercups. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm going to die. All right, fellas, let's watch this trailer and we'll review it real quick. When we attacked your planet, all your soldiers and all their advanced technology could only put up a measly nine-minute fight before they were exterminated. Which is why man is an endangered species.
The trailer's like just stuff exploding. Good night. Scott, I had... They felt like of, of, of all the things they could have included in that trailer, John Travolta laughing like an insane person was what they decided on. All right, and we're back. Luckily, that trailer was only a minute and a half long because of the two-hour runtime. That's all that they can feel that they can show us. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Luke, initial uh, initial thoughts on Battlefield Earth? Uh, I don't understand. Oh, just on the trailer or the movie in general? Uh, the trailer. Uh, I, I... As... Hmm. There's a lot of things exploding, and it looks like they're going to kind of lean on that and not have a story. Yep. I, okay, Scott, how about you, buddy? A lot of things any, exploding, any first some planes flying, and some guy laughing. What kind of trailer, kind of trailer is this? That's not... <laughs> some guy laughing. Some guy laughing. John Travolta. <laughs> yeah, it's John Travolta. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot, of, lot of Travolta. It was a very Travolta-heavy... Episode. I feel like it was created by someone. In the beginning, it looks um, like a sewage drain's exploding. <laughs> I, I think one of my favorite parts was that it uh, it it looked like so it was made by someone with less Final Cut Pro experience than I have, and I've only been using Final Cut Pro for about three weeks. Now. You might be right. They, they would have been better if they had introduced like some of the storyline. Like I just can't. Uh, I mean, there was there was nothing. It was just like watch your like, special effects and now come see our movie. Yeah, but did you notice that nearly every single uh, uh, frame was tilted at forty five degree angle? I'm gonna have to get some books <laughs> to prop one side of my TV up. Uh, okay, yeah, it doesn't tell you anything. There's like a cheap fire effect around the screen half of the time, where it's like they went on Canva. Just <laughs> googled ring of fire and then put the gif behind it. <laughs> what what was this that said at the very beginning? Based on a number one selling science fiction novel, it said one of the best selling. Yeah, L. Ron Hubbard. It's really easy to sell your books and become one of a best selling author when you force your cult to buy your books. Wow. See, and from now on, or at least for next week, anyway, Zach. I will not be calling you Zach. I'll be referring to you as Z. Carl Geiler. Okay, um, so go ahead and uh, give us a rating. i tell you what. I'm going to give a rating of 1 because I'm hoping that I can give it a 1.5 next week. <laughs> okay, Luke? Um, I'm going to say that there's going to be something redeeming about this movie. <laughs> Uh, out of ten, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a three and and hope for something that I can enjoy. Um, I really like John Travolta's laugh. <laughs> Why? Um, ha 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 ha! I really love that uh, because this is an audio medium where I put the audio of uh, the, the the trailers into the show that our listeners, if they're still there, just uh, had their their ears molested by bad sound effects for the past minute and a half um ear molestation that's a new one for me yeah but that's uh actually called ocular (laughs) 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 
binoculars. <laughs> your eyes. Listen here, Scott. I'm not. I'm not a paleontologist. I'm a preacher. All right, real quick. I'm gonna give it a two. Okie dokie. That's enough of that for this week. This recording went on much longer than I could actually physically stand it to go on. I feel like I'm slipping away. My thetan levels are low. I need to get some gator thetanate. And, uh, <laughs> because gator thetanate has gator, <laughs> has thetan lights in it. <laughs> to replace what you lose. Um, oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Zach's sitting there there going, what are we doing? Zach, we just finished the podcast. Yeah, I know. You okay? Okay. No, no, I'm I'm not okay. I'm just checking on you. Should I I start recording now? (laughs) Yeah, here, just a second, Luke. Let me clap. You know what? Let me... You know what? It worked the first time when I needed it to work. Um... What? Shut up! I'm trying to. F- There's like it's like thirty second pauses between everything you're saying. So I'm. I'm I lost. am very feverish right now. I'm doing my best. <laughs> I think you don't understand how sick I am. <laughs> Probably not. I could try to sympathize. But yeah, but why would you? you? You're only here to sympathize for John Travolta in Scientology. <laughs> Zach, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just trying to find a joke so I can end oh, this stupid thing. You've got like a hazed glaze in your eyes. That yeah, that's my life right now. Makes me my whole life is just one. Makes me th- hazed glaze. Makes me think. Makes hazed me think glaze. you're on the wiki. On the wiki. Okay. That's going to do it for us. And if I don't die from the Rona, or Jesus comes again, we'll be back next week. (laughs) Why is that funny? I I just wasn't expecting that. The end of the day, Scott. We are still a religious podcast. <laughs> were you laughing at Zach dying? Yes. Or Jesus yeah, coming? Zach dying. Oh. You know, Zach. If if you were oh, an I... ant, you wouldn't be sick right now. I know because they have little antibodies. <laughs> <laughs> I hate all of you. I want to just go home and die. Okay. That's going to do it for us this week on Rotten or Righteous. And Lord willing, and I don't die. (laughs) What a closing. If I don't die between this week and next week, we're going to watch this movie. And we're going to tell you about it. That's what we do here. (laughs) And... I can guarantee you one thing. If you die tonight, you'll certainly be rotten by the next episode. That's going to do it for us here at Rotten or Righteous. I feel rotten, but I hope you're feeling 
All right. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. That's what I do. I subvert expectation. Please follow us around in our day-to-day lives. Or on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or SoundCloud. Keep in mind, this is the fever talking at this point. If you listen to us on Apple Podcast, do the right thing. Give us five stars. It helps us out. Thank you. Please, if you like the show, tell someone about us. Just tell someone. Even if you don't like the show, just be like, listen to these idiots. Pretty sure the, the fat young one's dead. <coughs> might actually help boost our ratings. <laughs> Celebrities always become more popular once they die. Oh, the fat young one. <sighs> He's dead. Don't worry. Pretty one's still with us. Maybe if Scott and I were on, you know, it was just us, this would be a smash hit I swear podcast. to goodness, if I could trust you two yahoos to get through this information, I want to come on tonight and I want to trust you to do it. <laughs> we could have done it. What do you mean? We would have run an awesome show. <laughs> that was our impersonation of an elephant fart duet now like i was saying if you listen to us on our podcast and you don't give us five stars you're a bad person (laughs) this is like the schindler's list of podcasts It really helps us. <laughs> we just we just need to we just need to cut this. Just like end it. It really helps us. So please, please. <laughs> All I'm asking is you just like us, please. Listen, the fat young one may be dying. <laughs> like, like Sally Fields at the Oscars, just like us. Since the fat young one may be dying, can somebody send us mail? If we get more ratings, he might survive. I'll be the only, I'll be, I'll be the only GoFundMe that my wife's going to have to owe people money after I die. <laughs> pay for my funeral expenses. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Uh, if you have any suggestions for movies or television shows that would like us to review, or if you have any qu- question, any questions, or if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach us at rottenorrighteous at gmail.com or on Facebook Messenger. That's uh, facebook.com slash rottenorrighteous. We have a website if you want to go to that. You guessed it. It's RottenRighteous.com. And uh, if you haven't already noticed, if you stayed for a little bit after the music, we come back in and something stupid that we had to cut out but was clean enough to let you listen to gets shoved in there for your listening pleasure. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening and sharing and supporting our show. Can I give a fact before we leave? Yeah. 
Did you know the octopus have three hearts? Can I also tell can I also tell a joke? Yeah. Um how many tickles does it take to get an octopus to laugh? I would say between one and ten tickles. <laughs> I'm not so sure. How do you know all these jokes, Zach? What do you do? Just spend all your time on joke websites? No. This is, this is what you do while you're preaching? You get up there and tell jokes? Yeah, that's why they call me Joker McJokeyson. <laughs> Again, before you were bombarded with octopi facts. Again, like I was trying to say. Thank you so much, guys. Just, just thank you for sharing, listening. Supporting our show for Scott Judge, Luke Taylor, and wait, I have one more octopus fact. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> sometimes when octopus when octopus get bored, they eat their arms. We've all been there. Then they grow back. Sometimes when I get bored, I eat an octopus's arms. <laughs> I'm not so sure that you don't need to head straight to the ER when we stop, Zach. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our show. For Scott Judge and Luke Taylor. At least in this week. Hopefully next week if I haven't died. I'm Zach Geiler, and this has been Rotten or Righteous. Hey, Scott. Yes, Zach. Do you know what... Uh... Nope, let me try that again. Hey, Scott? Yes, Zach. <laughs> One more try. We got this. Hey, Scott? Yeah, Zach. Do you know what uh, one French guy said to the other French guy? Mm, no, I don't. Me neither. I don't speak French. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You say that if I and Scott and I had done this podcast, it would have been bad, but here we are at the end of this podcast. And what do you call what just happened in the last 10 minutes? I call it a champion fighting through adversity. Give the people (laughs) what they deserve. It doesn't matter. Did anyone ever see that John Carter movie, the one that Disney came out with, that was like a massive flop and the budget was huge? No. Scott did. Scott's a big John Carter fan. I'm trying to think. What what was John Carter? I saw, what, what, I saw Coach Carter. Yeah. Is it John it was Carter co- from Earth? It was Coach Earth. Carter's it was sequel. It's where they <laughs> sent the coach <laughs> to Mars. And he fights aliens. <laughs> It was actually an autobiography of of Jimmy Carter's brother, John, John Carter. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me. I was a peanut farmer, and now I'm on Mars. (laughs) Sounds like Joe Biden. (laughs) (laughs) He probably said that in his last...
Oh. <clears throat> okay, so 